Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. I have a little word tonight. I don't think it's going to be a very long message. It's basically the same message. I went to the girls' rehab house this week, and we did a little devotional time, and basically the same message the Lord gave me to bring there a little bit more expounded upon. But the basis of the message tonight is just simply truth. Because the word says that only the truth can make us free. So ultimately everything comes back to truth. The message I was going to do last week was expounding upon the seven spirits of God. and We had looked before at the counterfeits of the seven spirits. And then I wanted to look then at the real seven spirits, which really just breaks down to the doctrine of Christ, the truth. That makes you free. I'm still going to do those lessons, but I'm going to do them as a seven-part podcast series. We're going to look at each one, so we still will do that over podcasts. But just to kind of give a little recap, the first one is fear. Because when we had looked at the seven spirits, we looked at how the churches lost the Holy Spirit. And it started, you know, it started with the Lord, and they didn't spend their time with the Lord, and then wisdom, and it went all the way down to fear. Well, if we want to look at how to regain it, then we need to go in the opposite direction, which starts in fear. The truth of the matter is, is that every person who's truly saved and, and walking in right standing and filled with the fullness of God, it has to start on a foundation of fear. That's how you all get saved. We get saved when we realize that we're damned to hell, that there is a punishment for sin, and we begin to fear the consequences. Now, of course, it moves past that. That's just where it begins. The it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear comes before wisdom. Once we fear messing up, then we begin to move in wisdom. So I think it's very important for the church today and for ministers to not forsake the preaching of consequences. And we've, we've all heard, oh, well, the fear of the Lord, that's just reverence. Reverence is part of it, but it's more than reverence. It's consequences. It's understanding that there is hell, damnation, and judgment, that there is a consequence for everything that we do in contradiction to the leading of God's word and spirit. The Bible says that Jesus himself learned the fear of the Lord by the things that he suffered. There are consequences. Now, Jesus never sinned. It says that though he was a son, even though he was a son, he still suffered consequences. In other words, God corrected him. The Bible says that he corrects the children that he loves. Correction is not hatred. Correction is love. And we've all heard the passage where it says, spare the rod, spoil the child, or the, the parent that doesn't correct their children actually hates them. God loves us, so he corrects us. And if he has to, he will bring upon us consequences in order to teach us that there is a wage for sin. Because in the end, the final consequence is permanent. And so we've got to get it in our spirit and in our understanding. There needs to be a fear of the Lord again. And there needs to be preaching of hellfire and brimstone in the pulpit and judgment so that the people can get it. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says, speaking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh when he was here on the earth, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, talking about Jesus crying to God to save him, and was heard in that 
He was heard of God because that he feared God. Though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So if you want to be perfected in Christ, the perfecting of the saints, you want to walk in the fullness, it starts with the fear of the Lord because if you don't really fear messing up, you're really not going to go any further than that. I think it's very important, and we talked about this at the house. We talked about the fear of the Lord. We talked about hell and judgment and the reasons that God allows us to go through hard things and get hard words and hard situations and that really it's because he loves us, because he wants us to understand the severity of the consequences that are coming. So he lets us have little consequences here, little hurts and stings and situations. But once a person has the fear of the Lord, the next thing that they need to do, once they realize that they need saving and redemption, that they need to escape this hell and punishment that's coming, then they need to learn the word. They need discernment. So for those here, I think everybody here ministers to other people. I would say one of the most important things you can do is remember to minister the truth of judgment and hell and consequences. And then once they recognize their need for salvation, then bring them to the word. Gifts and callings and missions and positions, all of those things are for later. The first thing a disciple needs is to learn the word because without it they have no basis for discernment and they'll listen to any spirit that comes along. I think one of the greatest uh, injustices of the modern church is that they take people in and then they put them right into worship services and gifts and they let them see people using these gifts of God and then they start idolizing them and wanting to be used and then they go out and they start asking for gifts and voices and spirits and they don't have a basis in the word to have any discernment to know what exactly it is they're hearing from. So when discipling or when trying to grow yourself in the Lord, don't pursue after gifts, pursue after God, pursue after the word, pursue after a foundation and an understanding of who he really is. And then all of these other things will fill in. Now, I'm not saying those other things are bad. They have their place. But priority needs to be the word so that you can have a foundation. I can say for me, I had a foundation of years in the word before I ever moved in any form of ministry or functioning of the gifts. Now, God moved through the gifts as he saw throughout my life as a teaching, but I wasn't out there moving in a ministry form or leading in any form until there was already a foundation in the word so that when something else came, I knew what it was if it didn't line up. We love the word. We love gifts. We love worship. We love all of it. There's a place for all of it. But I think as a whole, the church has forsaken the word, and that's the most important part. That's the foundation. Without it, we will get off track. The Bible talks about a plumb line. When you're building something, that plumb line brings you back to being in balance, being level. You always have to come back to the word. So really, though this message is called the truth, it's really a message about the word. It's about the word because the word is the truth. It is our basis of discernment, and it is our basis of truth. And young believers need discernment more than anything in these last days. So if you want to disciple people, start in the word.
Start with Bible studies. Teach them to pray for understanding. And I would say this too, that as you're teaching people, don't just tell them what to believe. Don't just teach to them. Teach them how to read. Teach them how to learn. Do expositories like we do on Sunday morning. Sit with them and have them read things and tell you what it means to them. Let them learn how to glean from the word themselves. We don't neglect the gifts, but the word has to take priority. Because once they learn the truth of God's word, the truth will make them free. And who is the truth but Jesus? The word made flesh, the truth, the way, and the life, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If you give them a foundation in the truth, then their freedom will be permanent. But if you don't, you make them dependent on you and you'll wear out because they'll constantly have to keep coming back to you for another fix. Fight this thing off of me again because they're still in agreement with the enemy. They're not breaking free completely because they don't have a foundation in the truth. We, we look at the early church, and, and I know I've said this before, and I I realize there's a bit of an error in it, so I correct it now. You know, we talk about how the early church didn't have a Bible, and they did all these amazing things. Well, they didn't have the New Testament, but they did have the Old Testament. And the New Testament is really just the Old Testament explained, so they did have a Bible. And Paul preached, and he knew the word, and all he did was show them how Jesus was the fulfillment of the word, how Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So he still gave them a biblical foundation that they stood on. So we've got to have that understanding. It always needs to come back to the word. It's the foolishness of preaching, it says, that saves the lost. But there is a balance. The Bible says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The logos and the rhema. So when you read the word, it shows you the things that need to die. And then you go to God in prayer and talk to him personally. And then he comes with his spirit and reassures you and refreshes you and forgives you and changes you. And that brings life. There's a, a death and a resurrection. Word and study, prayer and worship is like food and drink to the new believer. But I, And I will tell you this, that it's very important for us to grow in the word and also when we're discipling and teaching to make the focus of it be the word. All these other things have part. They do have a part to play. It all works together. But the focus has to be the word or it will get off track. That's the plumb line. But I would say too that it doesn't have to be this deep theological revelation. Just read the teachings of Jesus, the gospels, so that you can get to know him, his message, and then you can test everything against it. I had a very strong foundation. I mean, I grew up in church, so I knew the word kind of, but I really didn't have a deep theological understanding of the word. Growing up, I read the book of Matthew and Revelations, maybe a little bit in Daniel, because as a kid, I liked prophecy. And that was about it. I really didn't have a deep understanding of the rest of it other than maybe what I gleaned from a sermon. So it's not that you need to comprehend Genesis to Revelations. You just need to know the teachings of Jesus enough to be able to determine if what you're getting from the outside is him or not. And that's why we always tell people that when they first get saved, they need to stick with just the Bible for like three years and don't get any other thing in you because you'll get confused. You have to learn the truth so that you can discern all the lies. Which brings me to the visual and the illustration that God gave me. 
for the girls. God had been giving me lately a lot about honey and honeybees. Now, in the past, God, God kind of speaks to me through, through the things around me. He shows me things and he shows me parallels. The Bible says that he talks to us through nature, that he puts his similitudes in nature around us. And in the past, I've always gotten the imagery of wasp whenever we were dealing with like gossip or slander or selfish, cruel words or hateful words. And that was if I saw a lot of wasp or I had issues with wasp, that was usually God trying to tell me, hey, there's some slander, there's some gossip, there's some hurtful words going around, there's something you need to teach on or deal with because words sting. And a wasp stings. And so to me, that was all, and it's mean. A wasp is just mean. They sting for no reason. Just because you walked by, they're just mean. But lately, he had been giving me honeybees a lot. He even gave me a little necklace and, and all kinds of stuff, and I'd been wearing it lately. And I said, what's with the honeybee? What's with the honeybee? Well, he began to show me the difference between the wasp and the honeybee as a parallel of the difference between those evil words, those words that are of a, the wrong spirit, those, the gossip, the slander, the, the harshness, as opposed to God's words. Because they both have a sting. Sometimes the truth hurts. So God's word can sting too. But there's a difference. The wasp stings for no reason. The honeybee only stings to protect. A honeybee will never sting for no reason, only when it has to. The wasp produces nothing but pain and more wasps. The words of the enemy will produce nothing but pain and more words of the enemy to produce more pain. But the honeybee produces sweetness. And part of the sting is to protect the sweetness. The wasp sting hurts for a long time and it can get infected. The honeybee sting hurts but not very long and it actually brings healing. There's a lot of medicinal uses for honeybee stings. It levels out your blood pressure, your blood sugar. Uh, it cures arthritis. It, it's being used to cure Lyme's disease. It's antibiotic. There's a lot of healing in the hurt. God's word stings sometimes. His word hurts, but it's to bring healing. The wasp is just to bring more hurt, and it hurts for a long time. God's sting is just a little while. When God corrects us, it's just a short sting. And I think probably one of the biggest difference is that the wasp's sting doesn't hurt it or cost it anything. It only hurts others. But the honeybee's sting actually hurts the bee more than it hurts you. It's sacrificial. It kills the bee. That's why the bee only stings when it has to. The word of God, the true word of God comes God doesn't want to correct. He doesn't want to sting. He doesn't want to have to do those things. But it's sacrificial. And it hurts him more than it hurts us. Jesus is kind of like that honeybee because he came specifically to give us the truth. That's why we cherish the word so much, the truth. What we get in the scripture, Jesus suffered and died to give us that truth. Even though those words sting sometimes, he sacrificed. He gave up his life to give us that truth. And the hurt is just a little while to produce sweetness. God had kind of given me this, and right before I left to go to the, the house, 
I get stung by a honeybee. Well, I haven't been stung by a honeybee. I couldn't tell you years. It's the middle of the winter, where it came from. But God was reminding me because it hurt so bad, and then all of a sudden it was gone. It didn't hurt long at all. And it was a word for some of the girls that it stings right now, but it won't last long. And in the end, it will produce sweetness. And that's a word for all of us when we go through correction or when we read his word and there are parts of it that cut us, that sting us. It's not like the wasp. It's not like the enemy. It's not like all those things that have been said to us that caused those wounds that got infected, that caused us to become bitter and begin to gossip and slander and do all those things that the wasp does. It is pain for a little while producing sweetness. It's worth enduring the sting to get to the honey. The promised land was a land of milk and honey. But where there is honey, there are bees. And you have to get through the stings. There is no Pentecost without Gethsemane. But the sting is very, very temporary and leads to healing and eternal victory. So have patience, have faith, and endure it. The honey is coming. Psalms 119 verse 103 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Going back to that discernment through the word, the word is our discernment. When we understand his word and it becomes sweet to us, the stings are not so bad because we know the honey's coming. We know it's for a good purpose. It becomes sweet to us. It increases our understanding and it causes us to not walk in the false ways. Proverbs 16 verse 23 says, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Even the Bible recognizes that honey is healing. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. So we don't trust our own understanding or wisdom. We trust God's word. There is sweetness in his word, and there is a sting, but it both brings healing. Evil words produce only pain, but God's word both cuts and heals. It stings like a bee, but then gives you honey. Learn it, love it, cherish it, and be changed by it, because only the truth can make you free. So we've got to learn that above everything else, if we want to help free people, we've got to bring them the gospel truth. We've got to teach them to fear the Lord because there is a judgment coming for sin. There is a consequence to every wrong action, to listening to the enemy. There is always a consequence. There is a wage to sin. There is hell. There is judgment. He doesn't want to send us to it. It hurts him more than it hurts us. Whenever that bee stung me that morning, I didn't even realize what it was. It was on my jacket when I was taking it off. And I guess I kind of crushed it and I heard it and it stung me. And by the time I realized what it was, I looked at it. His little wing is broken and mangled and, you know, his insides are coming out because once they sting you, they die. And the poor little thing is crushed and it kind of reminded me of that song about like a rose trampled on the ground. You know, his words sting, but it's sacrificial. 
it hurt him. It cost him everything. It crushes him to bring us healing. And we've got to preach it in its fullness and cause people to understand the weight and the gravity of this, that they might understand that there's a wage, there's a punishment. God doesn't want us to have to go to hell, but there is a hell. And if we don't recognize and repent and turn away from our wickedness and stop following the enemy, we will miss the goodness that he has for us. Jesus came to make a way of escape. We've got to trust him, put our faith in him completely. Have faith that he is able to free us, to wash us in his blood, fill us with his spirit, use us for his purposes, give us victory. Believe what he said. Take responsibility for our actions. Repent. Speak to him and say, I did this. I sinned against you. I crushed you. And I'm sorry for it. You gave me the truth. And I receive it. I believe it. I repent. I want to learn from you. Then grow and then give out what's been given to you. You have to both release the truth and receive the truth. When I talked with the girls, I explained to them that any time that they or anyone they're dealing with is having an issue breaking through, if they're not fully getting that freedom and deliverance and life-changing new birth experience, then there's an issue somewhere with the truth because the truth will make you free. Now, the issue can either be in one of two ways. We have to admit the truth. We have to confess the truth. We have to acknowledge, I did this. I, I sinned. This is a sin against you, and it's my fault. I chose to listen to the enemy. I did it. This is the truth, and I confess it to you. I admit it. I admit the truth. The truth has to come from you, and then you have to receive the truth. I believe your truth. Not the truth I want to believe, but what your word says, who you are in the scripture. I believe your truth, and you can set me free. If you are willing to release the truth through confession and receive the truth by faith, it will make you free. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1 says, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. God's word is like honey. But there's an interesting thing because the scroll that God was giving to Ezekiel was a declaration of judgment. This was not an easy word. Yet when he ate it, it tasted like honey. And he told him to go and give his word out. Because once you begin to realize who God really is, you see that even though it was a word of judgment, it was sweet as honey to him because he knew that it was good for him because it was God and God is good. Psalms 34 verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him bringing us back to the beginning and the fear of the Lord that causes us to receive his word so that we can then learn how good that it really is. It says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear God and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them 
that fear him. The Bible tells us that no chastisement for the present seemeth pleasant, but that afterwards it produces the peaceable fruits of righteousness. So let us love his word no matter how it comes to us. It is worth it sometimes you have to endure a little sting in order to get to the sweeter things. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.